Welcome to episode 53 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. The title of episode 53 is How to Write a Rational and Persuasive Paragraph, and I want to extend or continue some of what we were talking about in episode 52. Uh, the reason that I want to make this episode, too, is uh, to be clear, I've received two, one memo and one email in the last couple weeks in my work. Uh, at the University of Waterloo from two senior administration f- people who are kind of have leadership positions. And they were so poorly or atrociously written uh, that they obviously have caused a whole sorts of, of problems. Um, they're so ambiguous, so unclear, and so poorly reasoned that they could not possibly have persuaded any audience who was to read them. And in my class right now, I'm teaching a writing class as we speak, and uh, we kind of read them together as a class and deconstructed them and I made sure my students understood that they should not write like these two senior people. But it got me thinking that uh, probably wherever you work in whatever line of, biz- line of work or whatever profession or for whatever company, you probably receive lots of emails, lots of memos, lots of directives, etc. And they're probably written in, in paragraph form. And they're probably not very persuasive. I mean, oftentimes they might not be able to convince anyone of anything, yet we're constantly writing them. Uh, It also got me thinking about the importance of structure once again. So I've done an episode where we talked about the structure of a sentence. I've done an episode where we talked about the importance of word choice. But paragraphs are equally as important and probably one of the central kind of larger chunks of structured writing that we do we even speak in, in paragraphs lots of times, which is really great if we do it well. Um, so we're always kind of linking sentences together to form larger chunks of discourse into into paragraphs. And paragraphs are supposed to um, offer the, us the ability to reason more carefully and to think through um, more kind of uh, rationally what claim we're advancing. So paragraphs are really, really important. All of us write paragraphs all the time in emails and memos and papers, etc. So um, I often ask my students in my class before we get through get to do this, do they know what's in a pa- what's supposed to be in a paragraph? How many sentences should a paragraph be? What should a paragraph include, etc. And then I ask them what would make a paragraph more persuasive or what kind of structural form would make a paragraph more persuasive? And that's what I want to talk about today. And there's an important caveat because I have uh, spent a lot of episodes on the importance of emotion in, in communication. Uh, that's uh, really essential. Um, but like I was saying last episode, I'm trying to kind of drive away from that and trying to think through, even if we pivoted away from the emotional center of the brain and started reasoning more carefully, would we be able to come up with a kind of rationally, a rational message that was persuasive in and of itself? So I'm pivoted away from emotions here, and we're going to talk more about reason. And that's the the link to paragraph making. So um, how many sentences does a paragraph have in order for it to be effective or ought it have ought it to have in order for it to be effective? That's one place to start. Or what are the central parts of a paragraph is another way to start. So my kids are um, 12 and 10 and they're in school and they're learning things about writing. 
And they're often told that in a paragraph, a good paragraph starts with a topic sentence. I don't love that. Um, I don't really understand what a topic sentence is. I mean, I know why they teach that in elementary school or junior high or, or high school. But once you get to university or later on in life, I, I think it's nice to think about topic sentences, but it's less helpful than thinking about claims. I've introduced the importance of claims before. Um, the central thing that I think everybody should remember about a claim is that a claim is an invitation to a response. So uh, when you're making an argument, your argument is a conversation with readers. In a research report, if you make a claim and you back it up with reasons and evidence, etc., it doesn't mean that's the end of the conversation. It means that there's an audience for the research report that will have a response. And all paragraph, if you start with the assumption that all writing, all paragraph construction, all, all rational writing is a kind of conversation with readers, then it's more important to think that you're making a claim than just authoring a topic sentence. So if you're in a conversation with an audience, you won't find anything strange about assembling an argument that's meant to be persuasive for that audience. And that's what we have to talk about, how to do that thing. So a claim is an invitation to a response. More particularly, it's a sentence that asserts something that may be true or false. And so it needs some support. Here's a, an example of a claim. The world is getting warmer. Uh, there is a claim. And I could write a paragraph based on that. So a claim is a kind of assertion. And I've been talking about assertions the last couple of episodes. So I claim as assertion that something may, that, that, something that may be true or false needs our support to convince those I'm in conversation with that it is true or false. So the world is warming up. So every paragraph has a claim. It has to have a claim or it's not a paragraph. That's part one. The main claim of a larger paper or larger piece of discourse, by the way, uh, can be supported by a whole series of smaller claims and smaller paragraphs. Um, but okay. So what else does a paragraph need? After it's got a claim, you have to back up the claim with two kinds of support, reasons and evidence. If we base our claims on reasons, then they're more likely to be persuasive. And if we have adequate evidence, they're also more likely to be persuasive. If the reason and the evidence work effectively together, the claim will be persuasive. So here's a claim. Uh, in the late 1900s, the early 1900s, the emancipation of Russian peasants was an empty gesture. The second sentence has to explain why it was an empty gesture. Therefore, it has to offer a reason to support the claim. Because that move did not improve the quality of the daily lives of peasants. Uh, here's another claim. TV violence is harmful for children because they're constantly exposed to violent images. They become a they, they start thinking that uh, violence is natural. Usually a really good paragraph has more than one reason to support a kind of controversial claim. But in the end, every paragraph has to have a sentence that offers a reason to support the claim. The second kind of support is evidence on which you base your reasons. 
This distinction between reasons and evidence can seem like a matter of semantics, but it's not, and the two are not interchangeable because they're not synonyms. Uh, we think of reasons as kind of um, answers to the question why, and we think of evidence as answers to the question how do I know or what's this based on. Um, okay, so if I say to my friend even, you know, we should leave now, and my friend says why, and I say it looks like it's going to rain. The rain, it looking like it's going to rain is the reason we should leave. But how do I know it looks like it's going to rain? And I might say, well, there's really dark clouds coming over there, and it's windy, and I feel a change in pressure. So all those bits are kinds of evidence to support my reasons. So the flow of a paragraph goes something like this, with at least these three parts. Claim because of reason based on evidence. So that for any paragraph, there needs to be at least four sentences. One sentence with a claim, one sentence with a reason, one sentence with a bit of evidence, and the fourth sentence is usually a transition to connect that claim in that paragraph to some other claim that will come later on. Uh, that's the main structure of a paragraph. And when I structure a paragraph in that way, I become more persuasive. Uh, now, what based on what I said yesterday, or what, based on what I said in episode 52, if my claim is qualified elaborated and emphasized, if it has a qualification and elaboration and a point of emphasis, and then I add to it multiple reasons and multiple pieces of evidence, I expand my paragraph from four sentences to say eight or nine sentences, I do so by multiplying the number of reasons used to support the claim and multiplying the bits of evidence used to support the claim. What happens then is I have a thicker or more substantive or more complete or, or uh, more powerful or more persuasive argument. So we have in my classes what's called the fullness of arguments and the fullness of a paragraph. We have a fullness test. And the full, fullness test is uh, about whether or not a claim I'm advancing in a paragraph or a larger piece of discourse has been adequately supported with multiple reasons and multiple pieces of evidence. And if it is, it's more likely to be persuasive than not. So you write a paragraph knowing that the paragraph has to include four parts, claim, reasons, Ground, uh, grounds or evidence and transition to some other, uh, so, some other claim. When you think in more complex ways, um, and it's really hard to, to demonstrate this in a podcast, but it's easier if I have a blackboard. But in really complex forms of reasoning, when you introduce a claim, you make claim A, you support it with reason one and two and bit of evidence one and two, Reasons one and two can become claims on their own, and they may need further, further reasons and evidence to support them. So the chain of reasoning can kind of uh, move out from there. That's really kind of less important to me than just the basic, simple structure of claim, reason, grounds. Um, and so, by the way, uh, a, a reason is also what's known as a warrant. Um, a warrant and reason are kind of interchangeable. And we use warrants in everyday reasoning. Uh, so even if, if I said, oh, my friend must be involved in some shady business, and I say, because the FBI has been questioning his staff, I've used a warrant or a reason to support my conclusion or my claim that this person's involved in, in something shady. Um, the, lo the, the, the reason is what provides a kind of logical coherence to the claim. 
uh, what are some other uh, other examples? A whale is more closely related to a hippopotamus than to a cow because it shares more DNA with a hippopotamus. So uh, I've given the reason that DNA is really, really important and the fact that two species share DNA or share kind of strands of DNA will make them more closely related. Um, so um, Japan faces a falling standard of living. Uh, Japan's birth rate is only 1.17, and and so they're not producing enough children. Therefore, their standard of living is going to fall. So I'm offering a reason to support the claim in, in, in the beginning. Um, we can test whether or not the reasons we give are good reasons, and that would lead to further paragraphs that elaborate on the original paragraph. But on the whole, if we're able to just structure an argument in such a way that um, that the claim that the re that we've offered enough of um, of what would be a widely acceptable set of reasons and pieces of evidence, it will likely be persuasive. Uh, okay, so why is this important? Um, well, you should go back and read the last uh, email or memo sent from a person in a leadership position at your company uh, or your, the institution at which you work. In my case, when I go back and read those two things, I don't see a single paragraph, not a single paragraph that obeys that structure. So the paragraphs I read only have, um, they, they might not even make a claim for starters. Um, but they basically don't do any of the work I just elaborated. They don't offer an invitation, a claim as an invitation to a response. They don't offer a reason for the support of that claim, and they don't offer evidence upon which the the reason seems um, seems solid or seems um, persuasive. And in the absence of those three central features to a paragraph, what you get instead is just a mess of confusion um, and frustration and frankly, rebellion. So one of the things that, that happens is that you open the possibility for argument and counter-argument in the process of penning a paragraph like that. So in, in my case, what the person who wrote the original memo doesn't understand about the communicative process is A, people are gonna react. They're gonna have responses too because communication is a process of producing effects. So if you write a paragraph without reasons and without a claim, without a reason and without grounds, then you know your audience is gonna respond. What's the likelihood that they're persuaded by a paragraph that doesn't have a claim reason or ground? Zero, they won't be. So you won't have convinced anyone of anything. What's the likelihood that they clearly understand what's in the memo? Uh, almost zero. There's probably going to be confusion because the, the paragraphs in the memo don't abide by the basic structure of reasoning. So, you know, that you, you can't even, you're not persuasive, you're not even clear, um, so you're not effective. And um, the, the outcome is more conversation, more confusion, more debate, um, more uncertainty, less consensus, uh, less what we call coordinated meaning and communication, less or fewer shared meanings, uh, and more defensiveness and um, more fighting, essentially. Uh, so if you are writing in such a way that you want to short circuit or prevent 
those kinds of outcomes, if you want to be persuasive, if you want to make an impact, an effective impact on an audience, and you're writing, you need to include a claim, reason, and grounds. So I had to write a, a response to um, to the original memo on the part of my uh, on the part of my um, department. I had to write a response, and my response was four paragraphs long. And each paragraph began with a claim, supported with reasons, followed by evidence. So in one of those paragraphs, I, I make the argument that it's practically and pedagogically impossible to implement some change recently. The second sentence is, this is because of reasons surrounding scheduling and implications for course design. So I give two reasons. And then to support my two reasons, I say, uh, in terms of course design, we designed this course for X number of students in this kind of manner according to this process, and we don't have time to engage in the same process. For scheduling concerns, I say, we already did this work, that work, we, we gave some evidence. So each of my paragraphs is structured as claim, reason, grounds. Now, the order of claim, reason, grounds doesn't really matter. Uh, the claim can come at the end, the reason and the grounds at the beginning, the grounds first, the reason second, the claim third, um, the reason first, the claim second, the grounds third, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, but once all three component parts are there, are related to one another, or in position together, then you are you have a full and complete paragraph. So um, when I tell my students, I, I ask them, okay, what's a sentence? And I tell them a sentence is a structure of logical relationships. And so if you've listened to this podcast before, um, you know that uh, I've said in the past that that's what a sentence is. Um, when I ask students what's a paragraph, it's also a structure of logical relationships between sentences. Those logical relationships are between claim, reason, and grounds. That's the central structural relationship of an effective paragraph, the relationship between claim, reason, and grounds. And uh, the reason is, so, uh, so the, the claim uh, advances an assertion that you want to, people to believe to be true. The reason is why you think that people should believe it's true, and the grounds are the evidence upon which that reason rests. So when you put those three components into relationship, you have the structure of a paragraph. And when you do it in that way, you maximize your possibility or the potential for you to be persuasive. Um, okay, so that is it for episode 53. Um, we'll move on from some of these more... Um, rational approaches to persuasion to some other issues as we go forward. Uh, but, you know, everybody out there should write paragraphs with claim, reason, and grounds. And if you do, you'll be more effective at work. That's the central lesson for today. All right, everyone, thanks for listening, and I'll be back with episode 54 shortly.